For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints for the season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Piona Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great, nation will come out of us, the Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Paved Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. That you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very smart in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee, Leadership Training Daily, Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m., and the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. I'm going to hand over the microphone to God. As we hear him through the lips of his servant, I want us to write things down and follow by the spirits, so that as God speaks through his vessel, you hear God directly. Apostle Tov is a father of many fathers. He's a man that God has raised for this generation. And I want us not to just um, miss the potency of the things that God will speak through his lips. Listen very attentively, digest everything. Revelations is coming your way. Shall we just stand up together as we welcome Apostle Ulysses Tov. Put your hands together for the Lord. Well, I've given, I given to you the grace and peace and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to uh, our Apostle and to our distinguished Bishop. Uh, it is always a great delight to be able to be used by God to share His truth. So please, uh, thank you so much for standing. Would you please be seated? <clears throat> of course, uh, I am going to be focusing on an area as it relates to Jesus' return, developing leaders uh, for Jesus' return. And because we know He is going to return, then we need to make sure that we are about the Father's business, we need to make sure that we're wisely using His time, we're wisely using His grace, we're wisely using His talents, we're wisely using this temple that belonged to Him, and that we are purposeful in making sure that with the wisdom of God, he will never find us lacking in what he has placed in our heart to do. We will never be distracted. We will never find ourselves needing someone to pat us on the back, recognizing already our names are written in the book, the Lamb's Book of Life, so no one else can give you any more attention and make you any more important 
and Jesus Christ himself. So we uh, want to have you please turn your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 8. And I want to focus on, specifically, uh, the time to prepare. Of course, in Daniel chapter 8, from verses 23 through 27, this aspect of this verse is dealing with the, uh, the king and his fierce countenance. And I want to direct my attention as Daniel is describing and making known. I want to direct my attention to verse 23. But I ask you when you get a chance to read uh, 23 through 27. I'm only going to read 23 and then skip down to uh, verses 26 and 27. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy it wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and destroy the mighty and the holy people. Verse 26. And the vision of the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut thou up the vision, for it shall be for many days. And I, Daniel, fainted. And I, Daniel, fainted. And was sick certain days. Afterward, I rose up and did the king's business. And I was astonished at the vision, but none understood. May God bless the reading of his word, and may his word edify you, and strengthen you, and comfort you, and heal you, and deliver you, and your spirit, and your soul, and your body, in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the spirit that maketh alive, the flesh profiteth nothing, and the words that I speak to them, their spirit in their life, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please not turn your Bibles to uh, Psalms uh, 37. Psalms 37. In Psalms 37, focusing on verse 37, Mark the perfect man. And behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is that strength in time of trouble. 
and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Please turn to Galatians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differ nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, when we were children, were in bondage on the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. The future is the combustible matter that drives us forward to human stress. The future is the combustible matter that drives us to anxiety. The future is the combustible matter that brings on fear for many people, not knowing what the future will bring. We become overwhelmed, even many who are Christians. We become overwhelmed because we are not for sure, even though we say we know for sure. Because we know that the Bible tells us, and it is always true, that Jesus is the same. It tells us that. Yesterday, today, and forever. But when things begin to come into our lives... We're not for sure if he's that same one. When things begin to overwhelm us, we're not for sure if he can actually do it, if he can actually change it. We're, we're not for sure, even though at times we'll read, we'll study, we fast, but things will come in our lives and we, we even think within ourselves, God, can you really handle this? But he's the same. God. He was God before we were born again. He's God since we were born again. He was God with us while we were in our mother's womb. He was God with us when we, before we got to know what was in the Bible. He's God, but yet still, in spite of all these things, he has never ceased to work to bring us to the purpose of fulfilling what he has designed us for. So when we begin to focus on this combustible matter, we must also look at the other hand. Because, you know, it's always something on one hand and something on the other hand. So we have to look at the other hand as Christians. As believers, we must know and not second-guess ourselves that Jesus Christ is Lord God Almighty. He himself said the earth is his and the fullness thereof and and the world and they that dwell there in Psalms 24. He said that himself. It's written in scripture, should I say. And yet, because this is very true, that everything belonged to him, then as Christians, we must come to a place where we began to have great expectancy. 
We should anticipate. You should anticipate that this God who started you on our, you and I out on this journey, long before we got to a place to really understand him, is this God who's going to make sure that it's going to come to pass. We have to be so convinced that according to Numbers twenty-three nineteen, he's not a man. Neither is he the son of man. Condition, if he said it. 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 He will make it good if he said it. So we don't have to ask ourselves, can he do it? We need to make sure, did he say it? We've been majoring on the wrong thing. We've been majoring on, Lord, can you do it? But if he said it, he doesn't need your help nor mine to do it. Because he will do it. So we have come to a place where we not only eating and sleeping the word of God, we not only govern and controlled by the Holy Spirit, but we become exactly what God says, that we're his representatives in the earth. And because we're his representatives in the earth, we're here to make sure that what he needs to take place in the earth is being done exactly the way he wants it done. And you do not have to ask yourself the question, Lord, are you going to back me up? How would he not back up what he bought? The fact that you and I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the covenant, no less than the first and second, God the Father and the Son, but he's the executor of the covenant, being the executor of the covenant. It is his responsibility to make sure that the will and the testimony of the Father and Son is carried out in your life and my life. That's his responsibility. And because he's the seal, then he is a guarantee that that which the Father and Son want to happen is going to come to pass. He's the first installment. He's the fruit. He's the one who has been sent by Jesus Christ to make sure that what's in Jesus' heart, what's in the Father's heart, come to pass. So you should have expectancy. You should be excited at your worst moment. You should be excited when there is not anything to be excited about. You should be excited because God is always working. Jesus himself said, the Father worketh and I too. Even when the Bible indicates in the book of Genesis that the Lord rested on the seventh day, on the sixth day, the Lord has stopped working since that time. And so he's still working. Can you imagine the Lord is working in you right now while you're just sitting? How much more is the Lord doing in you while you're just sitting? Just imagine when you really get on his assignment. Are you listening to me? Just imagine the Holy Spirit is inside of you. I'm repeating this. The Holy Spirit is inside of you working. And you as much in the perfect will of God sitting right now as you were if you were out there doing what he told you to do. So God is trying to help you understand it's not about us performing. It's about being where he wants us to be, hearing what he wants us to hear, understanding what he wants us to understand, preparing ourselves for what he's going to bring to us, and that surely is a part of the process. So we are going to be those who are going to make a difference in the last days. We are saying to ourselves and saying to God, I'm linked to you. I'm connected to you. Lord, I'm your body part. (laughs) 
Just imagine. You're the body part of Jesus. So he said in the book of Second Corinthians, I will walk in them. Can you imagine? So when you walk, the Lord walks. When you talk, the Lord talks. Can you imagine? When you point, the Lord points. When you show up, things change. Can you imagine? We don't go to church service to be to get a blessing. You don't come to church to get a blessing. You are the blessed. Can you imagine that? You don't come to church to get a miracle. Every time you walk, you are the miracle. You're not looking for someone to tell you that God is real on your side. He's not just on your side. He's inside of you. So when we begin to understand these things, these elementary things, my brothers and sisters, we begin to understand these things, we're ready to take giant steps for God and recognize that God's step is much further than we could have ever anticipated. And when we recognize that God's step is much greater than we could ever anticipate, then we begin to recognize and say, okay, God, help me then to be what you want me to be and show me, God, how to do what you want me to do because your strength is my strength. Your passion is my passion. I'm your temple. I am what you want me to be right now. So you begin to understand that if this is true and it is true, then God says, then I'm going to begin to prepare you for me. Everything that God is doing is preparing you for him. A body was prepared for Jesus. When that body was prepared for Jesus, Jesus came in that body, and Jesus did not finish with that body until it was on Calvary. That body was prepared for Jesus to go to Calvary to take your place and my place. Then whose body are you being prepared for? You've been prepared that Jesus can use your body for someone else to change. Jesus is using your body to bring about changes in places and people who never thought it could be possible. So when we talk about preparing, actually, what are we saying? And I want to give you a number of perspectives here. And listen very carefully. Preparing. When we talk about preparing... Of course, it is to provide properly for, to foresee problems. It means to predispose a certain reaction, to predispose a certain reaction, to rehearse ahead of time, to train for a specific task, to educate with special knowledge, to set groundwork and foundation of, to cultivate for fruitful reproduction. Number nine, to mellow and mature the character of. Number 10, the arm or fit, to arm or fit out with the necessary weapon of warfare so that whatever comes in your 
direction, my direction, we know exactly what to do because we're being led with the Holy Spirit. And he will show us at the moment in time what needs to be happening. So when we begin to focus on this work of the Lord and what he's doing and what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, the Holy Spirit has been sent to prepare us and to make sure that this work is being taken, is being done. In a book, and some of you may want to get this book, it's by uh, Chuck D. Pierce, and it's entitled Interpreting the Times by Chuck D. Pierce, Church D. Pierce, entitled Interpreting the Time. And in this book, he lists for you and I eight questions to meditate on to aid us to determine are we really preparing ourselves for Jesus' return? And these are the questions. Number one, how are you building for the future? What revelation got you started in your building process and what emotions have hindered you? What revelation got you started? What did God reveal to you that got you started? Then ask yourself, what things have you allowed to come in your life to hinder the very thing that God used to get you started? Because you'll be amazed to know that there's so many things that will come our way, but those things that come our way are not to stop us. Those things that come our way are only to help us to grow, to assess, to evaluate, and make a determination. As we've been saying before, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You know, by the way, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you. The word greater means that the larger the situation gets, the larger God becomes. The larger the situation gets, the larger God becomes. So great is he that's in you. So when you see something that seems to be insurmountable, then God becomes much larger than that because at the point in time before that thing took place, you only needed to see so much of him. So God has all the power, but he only released what's necessary of himself so that you can be convinced that he is who he said he is. Think about that. Great is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And the things that Satan has in the world to bring against us, if we're uncareful, we'll get distracted emotionally and begin to think that God I sure hope you are there somewhere. Because what's taking place with me right now, God, I can't handle it. I want you to understand this. God will let you get to that place where you will even ask that question. Because he wants you to know that your assurance is always in him, with him, and it doesn't matter to him what comes your way. He's going to be more than enough. For you, El Shaddai, the breasted one. Abraham was fretful, but El Shaddai, the breasted one, came 
And when he came to Abraham at 99, he manifested himself to Abraham. And at, at that point, Abraham stopped being fretful at 99. And he recognized if God said it, it was done. Can you imagine Abraham had to go from 75 years of age to 99 years before God showed himself as being El Shaddai? 24 years passed, and Abraham was going through a lot, and God was constantly showing himself in different ways to Abraham. But God showed himself to Abraham at the time when Abraham needed to know that what God said was truly what God said. And when you and I get to a place that we know that God is who he said, it's who he said. Because oftentimes we spend a lot of time on what he can do. But you need to begin to focus on who he is. When you begin to focus on who he is, it overrides, can he do it? Because if he is the one who created the heavens and the earth, and he did do it, and he said his minds, it's not the devil's, if he's the one, then what day did he change? He, he, he changes not. His nature doesn't change. No, it doesn't. His counsel doesn't change. His power doesn't change. Being with you doesn't change. Who has ever told you that he was going to leave you? Even when we get in situations where it appears that God has left us, is that a scripture verse? It's not a scripture verse. You have to go back to the Bible. And but says this is what the Bible says. You said you'll never leave me. You said you'll never forsake me. This is what you said. And I don't have to feel what you said. Because it's written, I know it's true. And this is why Jesus was able to, to defeat the devil. By just declaring what was written. And when you and I begin to declare what Jesus has declared was written, we begin to see God is really great as he said. The greater one is with us. I don't know what's, what is the size of your God, the one you call Jesus. How big is he? <laughs> well, from my understanding, he's every place at the same time. From my understanding. My understanding from the book of Isaiah that we as grasshoppers in his sight, so we as grasshoppers in his sight, how big is that thing that you thought was big? We also have a tendency to use a word that we shouldn't use when it comes to God. We call a lot of things awesome, but only God is awesome. See, if I do something, you call me awesome, then what, what are you calling God? Well, God is the only one awesome and terrible. And when we begin to recognize that, we begin to understand, okay, God, then I have allowed something to affect my emotions. I have allowed myself to get away from the very words you gave me. So, Lord, I repent and get back on focus because it's important for me to know that you're developing me to fulfill what's in your heart. Number two, if you are in a leadership position, how are you choosing your leadership? Is your mantle transferable? How are you building and aligning with the next generation? If you are an exemplary leader, who are you preparing 
to release what you're doing too. Who's been prepared? If you understand the law of reproduction, you must begin to prepare people so when the time comes for God to have you to do something else, or when the time comes that God wants to shift things with you, they will not all be in your hands. Because once the enemy can find out, and I've seen too many church falter, once the enemy find out that you are the only one, when he removes you, or when God removes you, the whole thing dies, and it will not exist anymore. But you're not supposed to be building people. It may take a long time, but we're supposed to be building people to take over. Amen. So we see, then if your mantle is transferable, then you don't worship your mantle. When God put anointing on you, when God consecrated you and me to do his work, we don't think that we're the only one who can get it done. He's just, he has given us what's necessary so we can release it to someone else. And of course, they will make mistakes. But what we have to understand is that we're preparing them for what needs to take place. Number three, do you have an increased strategy? Are you just maintaining on a day-to-day basis? Have you sought the counsel of others because the Bible says the multitude accounts their safety. And what do you have to work with? And how can you optimize your resources? Do you have an increased strategy? So many people have addressed the question, where do you find, where do you find good leaders? Where do you find them? Where do you find them? Find them in prayer. You, you pray. And you stand fast. And you be faithful to what God has told you. He will get someone to you. We often ask the question, but God, this work that you've given to me is just overwhelming. Well, it's overwhelming because we look at it from an earthly perspective. But when you look at it from God's perspective, it's not overwhelming. And you take it and give it back to God. Say, God, this is overwhelming, but I give it back to you because you knew I couldn't do this. So I'm going to trust in you for you to show me what to do. Number four, are you developing... A strategy for reviewing assignments and expansion limits and expanding limits. How do you plan to increase and multiply? Are you developing a strategy for reviewing assignments and expansion limits? It's important for us to understand that you must constantly review what you were doing, even though it can be working. Even though it can be wonderful, but you must constantly review it because God may want to take you someplace else. Never be satisfied with the thing that seems to be working. Because just because it's working, that doesn't mean that's God's very best. It just means that it's working because that's why he has you, have you right now at a point in time in your life. And of course, you cannot squeeze and make something happen, but you must constantly stay on top of what God has called you to do by constantly seeking the wisdom and counsel of the Holy Spirit, and men and women around you to make sure that what you believe God is telling you to do, is it in keeping? Are they getting the same thing? Are they judging what you think God is speaking to you about? Number five, what is your strategy of giving? Is there a more legitimate, righteous structure 
that you're giving into. Giving is the principle of heaven that unlocks your future. We were, of course, we do a lot of work in a lot of places, and God has graced us to go many places. But some of the places that you go to, and I've come to find this is not correct, they want you to just constantly give them money, 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 money. They don't want to believe God. And, of course, we've gone to certain countries, and one of the countries that we have been going to for some while, and some of you, I'm sure, for me, and it's Haiti. And, of course, in Haiti, they say that they're very, very poor. In Haiti, they believe that Americans or those of you in this country and other countries, France or Germany, have a lot of money, and so they want a lot of money from us. But I told the brothers there from St. Corinthians, I said the Macedonian churches were very, very poor. They were very, very poor. They had much affliction. And Paul felt so bad, he didn't want to take up anything from them. But they began to scream and holler at Paul and said, Paul, don't do this to us. We know about the grace. And they, they gave so much money that Paul was shocked. You're not going to ever get people out of the gutter if you're going to keep feeding them while they're in the gutter. You have to get them to a place where they need to understand, but you've got to give yourself out of this. And when they give themselves out of it, then God will begin to change things. Never take a person and say, you know something? I've been taking care of you now, and your church is sending you money for 20 years. You can take care of them for 20 years, and 20 more years you're going to keep taking care of them. Until you teach them what Jesus has done for them. Until you begin to show them a more excellent way, they will continue to depend on you. But then if you stop, one brother told me, that a certain man was coming to his country, was giving him not only in hand $8,000 a month, but was sending him a lot of money. So when the man died, there was no more money to come. You know why? Because he was not prepared to do his business according to God's responsibility in his life. So this is why we have to make sure that God, do I have a strategy for giving? And do I have a strategy to teach people about giving? Because if I'm not teaching people about giving, I don't have one, then I'm going to end up not receiving what you have for me. It's important that giving goes up. It should be going up. If you're always giving down to people less than you, and they are not giving up to you, and they're not giving out to someone else, they, that situation will never change. It becomes so important for you to see this. And I've seen this over the years. So important. Your strategy for giving. Number six. Have you evaluated your shield of protection? Accountability. Submission. Do you have a accountability and submission structure? It doesn't have to be 29 people. It can be one or two persons. It can be one person that you'll talk to. It can be two persons that you'll talk to. I remember when I first started out in ministry many years ago, I asked a man of God who had been around for a very, very long time, how many friends do you really need? He began to name a lot of well-known men of God that he knew. He said, but of all those men of God, I have three 
but one I'm for sure about. He says he, he has three, but one he's for sure about. Just because you have a lot of folks around you, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're the ones who you can count on. You need to make sure that when someone is there for you, and this is one reason why I cherish the relationship that I have with Apostle Williams, because regardless of what happened, I know he'll be there for me no matter what happens. If I need to call him, I'll call him no matter what happens. So it's important for you that you have this kind of relationship where you're accountable because, as you know, and even as uh, uh, Dr. Lockhart indicated last evening, in America, how many churches have fallen? How many pastors have, have left the ministry? Why? Because something went wrong in the very beginning as to what was not developed to make sure they understood See, because Jesus is absolutely perfect, but he's dealing with us imperfect people. So what is, who are you accountable to? And who are you responsible to? And who are you submitted to? Who are you aligned with? Who has the apostolic authority in your realm of, in your realm of, of influence? Who is speaking into your life? And when I say speak to your life, I don't mean giving you a sermon. I mean, when you go to them and you can pour out your heart, you can go to them and you can actually tell them what's going on with your husband, what's going on with your wife, what's going on with your children. Not talking about, you know, show me how to help the church grow. Not, not, not having a conversation with how much more money can we get. But just opening your life up to someone and say, let me tell you what's going on in my marriage. And I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to give me understanding. Let me tell you what's going on with my children. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to get understanding. Because those are the kinds of things that we don't address. And those are the kinds of things where so many problems exist. Because they're things that are just off limit. We say that we're open to people, but not really. Because when you're really open to someone, you have no secrets with them. You can trust them with anything and everything. Amen? What authority structure a part of your life? And no greater faith has Jesus in all of Israel than the man who understood authority. Jesus, based on Matthews 8, chapter 5 through 13, saw that because he's on authority, he understood authority. When you are on authority, when you are under authority, you understand authority, so you're open to someone who has authority greater than yours, and you're prepared to allow them to speak into your life. And I can't tell you that enough, because so many are having, are losing out, because they're afraid to tell someone, listen, I need your help. So many are losing out. There are many who say, you know, that, uh, you know, I'm your father, but they never give you any time. They don't give you time because you don't have time. They don't have time for you. You need to find somebody who has time for you. You need to find someone who can walk you through what is taking place. And the devil loves to describe marriages. He loves to describe marriages. And there are so many things going on with us and marriages, preachers and marriages. It's just unbelievable. And, and statistics have shown that there are more divorces in the body of Christ than there are in the world. More divorces. Can you imagine that? 
And yet we stand in our pulpits and we tell people how to make it work, how to love each other. And yet it doesn't even work at home. So we have to be accountable and responsible. And we have to open ourselves up for what God wants to do. Number seven. Have you gotten the councils in position? Who is seated in council with you concerning your assignment and the ram that God has given to you? Who's, who's seated with you? Who are you able to share? This is what God has put in my heart. Give me your perspective as to what do you believe God is saying? Because I said this earlier, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. So you want men and women of God in your life who pray, who know about praying, who stay before God. They're governed and controlled by the word of the Lord. They can actually speak to you and not speak to you from a willy-nilly perspective, but speak to you from the standpoint of being very truthful. Being, uh, we use the word integrity, being very sound morally, being very sound uh, emotionally, being very sound in their own personal walk. And you can examine their life and you can see that they're exactly what the Bible says. Because when you read the Bible, you should be able to read a person's life. That's the kind of person you want to have a part of your council, folks who surround you and people who give you advice. Because if they're not living and keeping with the word, then you don't need their advice. It's very, very important for you to have that in perspective. Are you, are you, if you are seated, seated in a place of influence, that is to have impact on people, what are they saying about you? What are they saying? Can they really come to you and tell you what they heard you say in private and then you don't get angry with them? Can they really come to you and share with you? You know, you was teaching on this, and I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm not too for sure about what you were teaching on. Can I discuss that with you? And, and you don't rebuke them. You don't go off. You don't say, I dare you question me. Because the only perfect person I know is Jesus. That's the only one that I know is perfect. Now, all the rest of us can make mistakes in our interpretation. We can make mistakes based on many things. But we need to have people that not only are we able to share the truth with them, but we're also able to say to them, if something I said, please come to me and let us discuss it. Because even God himself said, come let us reason together. If God says, come let us reason together, then why can't we reason together? Why can't people come together and reason with me and reason with you? Why can't that happen? Because what we're trying to do is create a healthy body. We're trying to create a healthy body of believers. We're trying to say that Jesus Christ is the one who's head, who's Lord over us. And he wants people to see who he is. And the best way they, the way they see who he is is connected to what we actually do and how we relate one to another. In, your, in the position of those who counsel you, who can give you the input to arrange to arrange your puzzles so you can see the full vision that is there for you. Who is there, who is in your life who can help you 
to take the pieces that you have from God and put them together and arrange them so you can get a clear sense as to what God is saying. Who is there? It's very important. You surround yourself with people and your counsel who can help put the pieces together of the puzzle because God has made it that way. And the final question is, when you're able to put the pieces together of what God has arranged for you, the provisions that you need to get it done manifest itself. When you, when you have allowed God to show you the pieces, because a lot of us are believing God for monies, finances, and there are certain things that we haven't even put together. So if God brought us the, money, the finances, because we don't have a structure for it, because we don't have things in place for it, we'll end up losing the money. And I know too many ministries have just blown millions and millions of dollars. Why do they do it? Because they didn't have a sense of knowing, number one, it belonged to God. And number two, God gave it to them for a purpose. Number three, God himself wanted them to be good stewards of what belonged to him. So you must first show God how you're handling the money, but you got to make sure you have people around you. Now we have a lot of people very, very professional um, in their handling finances who can make things so much easier for you. And one thing that I, I have come to recognize that I personally don't mean Ulysses tough. I personally don't want to know personally when it comes to the monies. I don't want to be the one who my hand goes in. Because once your hand go in, you'll start focusing on your personal needs. And I personally have never in all these years made it known specifically to those around me, let me tell you what I need, how much money I need. I said, well, I'll tell you what you hear from God. Because God knows what I'm doing. And God is going to make sure that I get what I need. And he has made sure that I get what I need. Because I'm telling you, if you're a good worker for the Lord, he'll make sure you get paid good. <laughs> I'm telling you, whatever bills you need to have paid, whatever, whatever you need to have paid, he'll make sure the money is always there. You make sure. So you want to make sure that you are clear with the vision. You're clear with what you're doing. And if you're doing, if you've done your part, then the, the finances will always show up. So, based on what we share with you thus far, as we've been focusing on the the, the, the whole idea about making sure that you are interpreting the times and times of preparation, giving these questions, then we want you to focus on this. Transition is a time of preparation. Preparation is a word that involves these three things. Please, in your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. It involves these three things. But transition always involves time. It always involves time. It says, it reads in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. 
To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So from verses 1 through 10, it tells us a season for everything. So in preparing for the Lord's coming, what season are you in? Because just as natural laws tell us there are four seasons, then you are in one of those seasons. You're in your winter season, or you're in your summer season, or you're in your spring season, or you're in your fall season. If you're in your winter season where it appears that everything is dying, what did you do like the ants to prepare yourself for your winter season? Because you are going to have a winter season. And then you will have a spring season. And when you have a spring season, what have you been doing now to prepare yourself for the next season? So the Bible tells us to study the ants to make sure because they prepare themselves. And it's a, it's, it requires a lot to be sure that when you're going through a wonderful season, a spring season, you don't look at some of the ministry and begin to judge them and say they must be in sin. No, everybody go through seasons. Some seasons are longer than others. Just as it is in the natural, you can go to some countries and they have rainy season longer than some people have rainy season. So does it mean that's a problem or there's just a season? You go to some places and they have nothing but winter. We were in uh, Alaska. We, we have a church up in Alaska. And, and in the further part of Alaska from where we were, we were in Anchorage, they have two times. Six months is dark, period. For six months is dark. Six months is light. Just two times. Now, those people who, they have a lot of problems also because certain things were not done to prepare themselves. So they have a lot of molestation. They have a lot of alcoholism. They have a lot of things going on. But what about you and I who are Christians? When we begin to look at what goes on with us naturally, what are we learning from those situations and circumstances? Because when things started happening, because people would come to you, and God would send them to you. You're not the Lord of them. God will send them to you for a season, and they'll be everything you need. Don't worship them, because if you worship them, when God gets ready to change, it, it will destroy you emotionally. So you have to be ready for the seasons in life as you prepare yourself for the seasons when it comes to the weather. So the Bible says to us, there's a season for everything. And verses 11 through 15. Just read one scripture and then tell you what the rest of those are. He hath made man. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. So from verses 11 through 15, God made everything beautiful. Because of what? God was preparing for a time for certain things to happen. And because God was preparing for a time, then God made it beautiful for that time. Then the latter part of the chapter, verses 16 through 22, verses 16 through 22, which goes from, starting with verse 16, And moreover, I saw under the sun the place of judgment, that wickedness was there, and a place of righteousness, that iniquity was there. 
So what is happening from verses 16 through 22? The righteousness, the righteous and the wicked were judged. So even though we're looking at things, we're saying, God, what are you going to do about all this evil going on? God says, I have a time for it. But we're supposed to be about the business. We have to be about the business making sure that are we making sure, are we making sure that the gospel is being spread? Are we making sure we're developing disciples? Are we making sure? Are we making sure we're developing disciples? Disciples, are we making sure? Because that's what God is addressing. Because when disciples are made, then we can begin to see the world changing. Because standards start changing. Lives start changing. People start changing. And when we began to see what God is after, we began to say, Jesus, you are coming back. And you're preparing us for your coming back. But help me to make sure, Jesus, that according to what you want, I'm actually doing. I'm actually carrying out. So we never want to be very important. Never act in haste. Luke tell us. Luke 22, verses uh, uh, 39 to 53, that we are to never act in haste. We are to be deliberate. deliberate. We are to be purposeful. And we are to be carrying out what God wants us to do. And we are to have good plans, good strategies. And we are to evaluate it as we go to make sure it is working. Even the Lord himself knew, uh, in Luke 8, 22, 29, the Lord himself knew when to work and when he knew when to rest. You need a Sabbath rest. You need a rest. There's a, a time when you need to stop. One day you need to stop. You need to rest. Because according to the law, when God gave a Sabbath rest, he gave a Sabbath rest because he's trying to make sure that they're not consumed with materialism. And if we don't have a Sabbath, we don't have time of rest, we'll be consumed with the very thing that God has given to us. And that is called the work of his, the church of his. We'll be so consumed. And if you don't have a time that you can just rest and get away from this thing, it will consume you. Because God says, but so when do you and I meet? When do you just, because Jesus did get away, do we remember that? Yes, do we remember Jesus got away? And do you remember when Jesus got away? It didn't say that he, he didn't, the only thing he did was pray, pray, pray. Yes. He wasn't saving souls. He wasn't healing anyone. So, so it's good. It's fine. It's okay. It's not sin. I said it's not sin. I said it's not sin. Because <laughs> you know, please do this for me. Touch this for me. You know, this is just flesh. Yeah? And you know it'll fall apart. And you know you have to go to doctors, right? You know there's nothing wrong with taking medicine, yes? You know you pray and believe Jesus and take medicine. Is, is, is that okay? And because every good and every perfect gift come from above, yes? Yes? And since that is true, there's nothing wrong with it. I, I can't tell us that enough because I know some people... Apostle, I've seen some people who would not even let their children go to the doctor. And you know what happened to the child? Children, they died. Come on. It's, it's nothing, nothing. I want to tell you. Yeah, we, we, need, we know they're doing a lot of stuff with medicine, but I can tell you nothing, nothing wrong with it. Amen. Do you go to have your eyes examined? You ever going to have your eyes examined? Is anything wrong with having your eyes examined? 
Do, do, do you ever, do you ever go to, have, you go to have your teeth examined? Is anything wrong with that? No. So why can't you have your organs examined? Anything wrong? Some things that we come up with, they're not even in the Bible. We just make them up as we go. As if the Lord just hate, just hate medicine. The Lord had one of his primary <laughs> followers, Luke. You remember Luke, right? He was a physician. He was called a beloved physician. So, the, see, just in Old Testament, because the folks were practicing so many heathenistic things, God says, I'm going to be your doctor. But as time began to progress, God brought Luke on, and God brought on a lot of doctors, and a lot of doctors loved Jesus. But even if they don't love Jesus, they are saving a lot of folks' lives. And because I've seen this in so many places, it's just unbelievable. Because it says here, he rested. So he rests. You know it's good to take, you know it's good to exercise? Exercise? Exercise, exercise. It's good exercise. And do things that your body knows that it is experiencing something different. See, if you play the piano and your exercise is playing the piano, then your body doesn't know the difference. You have to get away from what you normally do to get into a place where your body begins to appreciate that you're doing something entirely different. You there? I, I ride my bike. I have a bike. I ride my bike. Um, I, I ride at least six days out of a week. I exercise. I do a lot of things because I like my bones still to work. I like my bones to work. Don't you like your bones to work? <laughs> I, I like to dance before the Lord, and and I don't want to, when I'm dancing before the Lord, I don't want to be. <gasps> no, I want to. Dance. I want to dance before the Lord and enjoy myself. Come on. You understand? See, we're preparing for the Lord's return, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> mm. And finally, here, it's important for you to know that as we go forward, as we continue to go forward, Jesus has said to us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, All you that labor have been laden, come unto me. And I will give you rest. Resting is where it's not a sensation of activities, but it's God, I'm taking this that's consuming me and I'm giving it to you. I take this because it belongs to you, God. I give it to you. So help me, God, to rest in you and you're going to give me wisdom and understanding on how to make it work. So when you have rested, you think more clearly. When you have rested, you make better decisions. Colossians 3.2 When you have rested, you come to a place where you get rid of rush and anxiety and stress. When you're rested in the Lord. And when you have rested, you come to a place... Or you're saying, Jesus, I want to always be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, to be led by him. Because the Bible says, 
for they that are led by him. For they that are led by him are sons of God. I want to always be your son. And finally, for Jesus' return, he did not do anything unless he was led by the Holy Spirit. He did not say anything unless the Holy Spirit told him to say it. He did not hear one person unless he was led by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? You know why? Because he told his mother and father, did you not know I was about my father's business? My brothers and sisters, I pray in Jesus' name that we get to a place. The only business that we are after is the business of making sure that Jesus is in charge. And he's our focus. It's all about Jesus. Everything that we think, everything that we say, every move we make, it's all about Jesus. And when that happens, you will find out that you have drawn closer to him. And you didn't even do it with effort. It was just so easy. Apostle, grace you in Jesus' name. Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen. People healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you, stop going around to people, kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil, hear the voice of God, receive life-changing teaching, be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7 p.m. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly victory nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.